For the first time since 2005, state forest rangers were deployed to Canada in June to aid in the response to the wildfires raging in the eastern part of our northern neighbor. To discuss this Canadian mission and combating forest fires more broadly, we're joined on the Capitol Press Room by Rob Projakalo, a forest ranger who spent about two weeks in Quebec working on multiple fires. Welcome to the show, Rob. Hello, thank you. It's our pleasure. So when you're not in Canada, what does your work as a forest ranger usually consist of, or is there no usual day in your line of work? I work in the High Peaks region near Lake Placid, and my specific ranger district is the town of Wilmington and Whiteface Mountain Ski Center. And in that ranger district, we do all the search and rescues, wildland fire, and state land enforcement. Specifically, in the High Peaks Ranger District, we we do a lot of search and rescue work, especially this time of year when school's out and everybody's on vacation hiking the High Peaks. Well, how much of your work is involving forest fires, whether it's prevention or responding to ongoing fires? It really all depends on the weather that we've had this past spring. From around May 1st toward the beginning of June, we had very, very dry conditions. We were starting to see forest fires in the northern part of New York. We had one at 30 acres and a number of small campfires that went out of control and went into the woods. This past spring was quite busy for us with wildland fire fighting in the North Country. And what does firefighting in the North Country consist of? Because I think most people have an idea of how a fire is combated in, say, a suburban neighborhood. A fire truck pulls up on the curb, they're shooting water. I imagine it's a little more complicated, though, in the Adirondacks. So can you walk us through what that can consist of? Yes. Generally, our initial response to the fire is to attack it in a safe manner, we say anchor and flank it, so we, we will begin at a roadway where fire is or a trail and begin building hand lines, digging with hand tools around the fire and slowly getting control of it by removing fuels in front of the fire. Basically, after that, after we've stopped the fire, um, we've, we've controlled it. Then, depending on the time of year, a lot of times we have to bring in Water, we will run hose lays from water sources, streams, ponds, lakes, and put out all the hot spots that continue to burn within our control lines. We also have the ability to use the New York State Police Aviation helicopters to to drop Bambi buckets of water, about 120 gallons of water at a time from the belly of a helicopter on the fire. Well, let's turn to your recent trip up north. What was your understanding of your mission when you went to Canada with some other forest rangers in New York? Yeah, it's very interesting. So you you said in the beginning, uh, the last fire season that Canada had was in 2005. And at that time, I was in the beginning of my career and had just moved to the Adirondack region as a forest ranger to work in the High Peaks area. And I was dispatched to, to Quebec at that time, and we went way up north of Val d'Or, 
we stayed in a logging camp at that point and flew out to different small lightning strike fires that they had all throughout the wilderness and the bush of northern Quebec. So that was what I expected to to be up against this trip. And it was very similar to the last trip in 2005, but the fires were much larger this time. I, I believe the whole province of Quebec in 2005 had some somewhere around a million acres or so that had burned. And at this point, they're, they're close to 6 million acres, which is equal to the entire Adirondack Park. So we drove to Manawaki, which is a fire base for Stop Few. Those are the firefighters in Quebec, and they manage the fires there. We got an in-briefing from some of their fire supervisors. It was an excellent in-briefing based on the weather that they had and the burning conditions. And they talked a lot about still being in a spring firefighting sort of mode where that means that you have you have a lot of moisture that's in the ground, but the the top fuels in the forest will will continue to burn. And from Manawaki, we we drove north once we had that in briefing and we stayed in a, a remote lodge about two and a half hours off of the paved road on logging roads that went into the woods. And each day we, we would drive from that camp to a fire, the the initial fire that we attacked. And then from that, we would fly to different parts of that fire because it was about 25,000 acres. Once we were able to control that fire, we began sort of sending squads of firefighters from the U.S. that were, were with us. And we would send a squad to another fire to to work on the, the hot spots that were on that fire, places within the control lines that were still still burning. So how persistent, I guess for lack of a better word, were the fires that you encountered? Because obviously this is something that Canada's been dealing with for weeks now. The fires were very, very persistent. There was almost no moisture in the ground. So not only was the fire burning on top of the surface, burning all the, the small fine fuels that occur on the top of the forest floor. But it was also burning up into the trees using ladder fuels, which means any of the limbs and brush that reach down to the ground, the fire would build up enough heat underneath the trees. And by about two o'clock in the afternoon, it would rage up into the trees and start to travel very rapidly basically completely separate from the ground. And then while that was happening, the fire was literally burning down through all of the burnable fuels all the way down to mineral soil, which gen- that is not a spring, spring-like type fire behavior. There was virtually no moisture in the ground at all. And then some of the some of the heavier fuels, which we call thousand hour fuels, that would be large logs that are down in the forest, were almost dry kiln dry. They were just powder dry and would explode into flames. Do you have a sense from your perspective of how necessary people like yourself coming in from out of Canada were to this effort? Did it seem like the Canadians really needed this extra help? 
It did, yes. They were in a triage-type situation while we were there. They had evacuated many of the northern communities and had concentrated all of their resources to protect those values, the, the people that lived in those communities and the homes and the infrastructure around that, which they've never had that occur in Canada before. And they were they had to allow some of the more remote fires to just burn. Three of the fires that we were on had not been staffed since they began around the beginning of June, June 1st. And we arrived there June 11th, and no no firefighters had attacked them at all. In the process of responding to these fires, what level of danger did you have, and what were the the threats that you dealt with? Because obviously, even people hundreds of miles away have had air quality issues, so I imagine you had your own air quality issues to deal with, as well as the probably actual danger of, say, heat and flames, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Firefighting is a, a very dangerous activity, and we train for it. We brief before we go in to fight the fire and attack the fire. We take all the necessary precautions to, to be safe. Some of the dangers, the, the obvious one is the, the smoke and the flames, but you also have these large 80-foot trees everywhere, and the, the soil, the roots have been compromised. They've been burned out. They will fall over virtually silently in the forest. And uh, you know, while you're fire fighting the, the fire, you're, you're flying around in helicopters, you're using chainsaws, you're driving on very dusty roads. The, the conditions were so dry there that if you were following another vehicle, you had to be a half a mile away from it because it was, it was like driving in a blizzard. The dust was so, there was so much dust in the air. It's, it's a dangerous job, but we, we train and uh, take all the necessary safety measures. Canada is a very, very safe place to fight fire. One of the days that we attacked the largest fire that we were on, everything aligned with the temperature and the, the wind relative humidity and the fire just exploded on the Eastern flank. And we had to be evacuated by helicopter back to our fire base. It wasn't worth risking staying there. When you respond to this type of fire outside of New York, I imagine you're working with people that you maybe don't necessarily interact with on a, on a day-to-day basis. So what challenges are there in terms of working together? And is this a pretty seamless operation right from the get-go? Or is there a learning curve in terms of working with new people? No, it was it was almost seamless. Obviously, there's a bit of a, a language barrier but the Canadians did a great job of, of speaking English. And uh, I wish I had brushed up on my French more before I went. Um, but the top here, the firefighters from Quebec also go out West. Many of them have been in, in the States fighting fire. And the firefighting community, very similar techniques all, all across the, the world and the country. 
in in firefighting. There's some different terminology that's used, but it, it's easy to easy to understand um, how how to attack the fire and working with with other resources on that fire. And it's, the way fire is fought in Quebec is very similar to northern how we fight fire here in northern New York with the use of pumps and hose lays and helicopters because we have so much water natural water available for us to use streams and lakes rivers so it's a, it's a very similar place and technique to, to fighting fire well when you mention similarities it makes me think about the possibility of what we're seeing in canada happen in new york especially in uh, the high peaks region so do you feel like the empire state is at risk of uh, similar wildfires maybe not in terms of that scope you know six million acres but other elements of it could that happen here in new york not at this point we we are at a low fire danger at this point because of the amount of precipitation that we've had over the last three weeks um so we are, we are not in danger of of that level of fires. How about more broadly speaking, though, in, in terms of the state and you know moving forward, are there chances for something like this to happen in New York? And if so, are there preventative measures that can be taken in advance of something like this, or, or things that we do do to try to ward off fires like this on a large scale? The last large historic fires were in 1908. That burned large large acreage in the in the Adirondack Park and at that point uh, the cause of a lot of those fires were logging railroads and human cause and there was obviously much less access there was there weren't as many planes flying over and there weren't it wasn't as populated at that time so what happens now if if there's any type of of smoke or fire that occurs in the woods, generally it it doesn't go unnoticed for more than a day, and we we fight fight that fire very aggressively. So I I don't see there being that that type of threat in New York. Well, finally, during your time in Canada, did you have any poutine? We did two. <laughs> two times and it was excellent. Is that something that you're going to bring back to New York or is that a treat for just when you're fighting fires uh, in Canada? No, I think I want to go back and have it there. We actually asked for it. The, our last meal that we had in camp, we asked to have poutine. Well, we've been speaking with Rob Projakalo. He is a forest ranger who spent about two weeks in Canada working on multiple fires. Rob, thank you so much for making the time. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Support for the Capitol Press Room provided by the New York State AFL-CIO, a federation of 3,000 unions fighting for working people by keeping New York State union strong. Visit unionstrongny.org for more information. Join us again for Capitol Press Room, a production of WCNY Connected, Syracuse.